Hello and welcome to the daytime boys, the opposite of the nighttime boys. And today we're going to be talking about the first purge. I'm your host, Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm joined by Ben Sheets. Hello. Hello. The last thing you want in your Burger King lettuce is Burger King foot lettuce. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, we're doing this a lot earlier than we usually do. I'm just having my first cup of coffee of the day, so it's probably going to be a little weird. But, uh, yeah, as promised, we're going to be talking about the first Purge to round out our discussion of the Purge franchise. Now, the first Purge, not to be confused with the first Purge, is a prequel to the (laughs) first Purge, but the first Purge is not a direct prequel to the first Purge, as there is no Ethan Hawke in the first Purge like there is in the first Purge. (laughs) Rather, the first Purge is an indirect prequel to the first Purge and the other Purge films. Are you following? No. (laughs) No. I'm not. The point is, they should have come up with a different title for this movie. Yeah, it's uh, very confusing. But, I never thought I would be saying this, I actually liked this movie quite a bit. I was very pleasantly surprised, actually. I expected to absolutely hate this movie, And I came out so pleasantly surprised. I have a new favorite Purge film. I think this one outdoes Anarchy. And that's something that I didn't think was possible. Especially because it's gotten so many shit reviews. Yeah, so the the premise is, you know, the New Founding Fathers are this third-party political group that gets the presidency... And they decide to do this quote-unquote social experiment in uh, Staten Island where they pay everyone who stays $5,000, but they say all crime is legal there and you're free to purge. Yes, this is their uh, experiment for a, a nationwide purge keeping it solely confined to Staten Island. And this is an experiment devised by Marissa Tomei, who is a sociologist or a psychologist. Some sort of scientist. Some sort of ologist. Science woman. So, of course, it goes along with the, the idea of the rest of the franchise that if you have one night to purge all of your anger and frustration then you'll be less violent the rest of the year. At least that's the way that Marissa Tomei uh, believes it to be. She legitimately believes that this might work. From watching the previews, I expected her to be the villain, but she's really not at all. No, no. It's kind of a a harebrained idea, in all honesty, but she genuinely believes that it might help. The new founding fathers give her the money to to fund this experiment because they want to kill poor people. Yeah, essentially. That's, I mean, that's it. We we start the movie with this guy who's clearly just a psychopath talking about how much he loves to hit his pipe and kill people. And he says that he wants to 
to purge all of his hatred. And then we cut to a, the white guy who's interviewing him is like, hmm, purge. That's an interesting word. You'll get to purge soon. And then the title card appears. Yeah. And at this point, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, well, and I think what one of us joked for? that he was like, he looked like Skeletor because he has these weird, like, scars up his face. Yeah, he's, he has, like, he's ritual scars. He's a, he's a fucking crackhead. But then his name turns out to actually be Skeletor. <laughs> Which was the funniest thing, honestly. When, when they addressed him as Skeletor the first time, you and I both laughed aloud, and we were the only ones in the theater who laughed at that. How were we the only ones who thought a crackhead named Skeletor was funny? I thought it was a joke at first, honestly. I thought they were Yeah, just... I thought there was no way. That made me happy that he was named Skeletor, because... That is very funny. Well, we were joking about the the priest in election year looking like Skeletor. We were calling him Skeletor. And now this movie has an actual character called Skeletor. I'm not saying that the people at Blumhouse have been listening to our podcast and taking our ideas. But, Jason Blum, I'm watching you. Get your lawyers ready. Get your lawyers ready. You can expect a lawsuit the likes of which you've never seen. <laughs> like we said, the the incentive for all the poor people on Staten Island to stay is that if they just stay on the island during the purge, then they'll get $5,000. And if they actively participate, they'll get more. Which, I mean, like... I understand paying to stay there to see what happens, but paying people to actually purge feels like it's kind of influencing the I mean, yeah, which is kind of the experiment. whole kind of the whole idea. In the setup we see all kinds of people being interviewed. Anybody who elects to stay uh, to get the money, they all go through a psychological evaluation, and the ones who survive are supposed to have one afterwards so they can see how effective the the purge was or whatever. But uh, we've got three main characters in this movie. I don't know any of these actors' names. I've never seen them in anything. So I'm just going to refer to them as the celebrities that they most resemble. So first and foremost, we have Tanache, who... <laughs> Uh, is strongly against the purge and is uh, protesting with a bunch of people outside where they're uh, evaluating people. We have her brother, Vince Staples, who... Uh, I don't think it's her brother. I think it's her ex-boyfriend. No, that's 50 Cent. Her brother is Vince oh, Staples. Oh, Vince... Yeah, he doesn't look like Vince Staples. He looks like Vince Staples. No, he doesn't. Yes, he, does. he looks way too young and... Not like Vince Staples. I think he looks like Vince Staples. He's got the same kind of like flat top haircut, and I think he looks like Vince Staples. I'm gonna pull up a picture of both of them. I'm gonna show you. But uh, the corner boy from The Wire. The corner boy from The Wire. <laughs> um, so he is uh, sort of disenfranchised. Uh, with the shitty apartment they live in, and he's trying to go to school and be good, but uh, he ends up selling crack on the corner to try to make some extra money. And then the third main character is 50 Cent, Tanache's ex-boyfriend, who is like the drug kingpin of Staten Island, but he's like a, a good guy at heart. 
he's like the the drug lord with the heart of gold, which is kind of an oxymoron considering that he sells crack to a bunch of people, but he he cares about his community. <laughs> it reminds me of that Black Dynamite bit where Black Dynamite goes in to kill all the the drug I was dealers. Thinking the exact and like, same thing. We gotta kill all the people who sell drugs to the community. And he, they're just like, Black Dynamite, I, I sell, sell drugs, drugs to the community. community. That's exactly what I was thinking the um, entire movie. But uh, Tanache is protesting the evaluations, and uh, 50 Cent appears, and he, uh, you know, Starts talking to her, and she's like, why are you here? You kill people 364 days of the year. And he's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen during the purge, and I can't trust what I don't know. Yeah, I I thought that that one line was kind of silly, where she's like, they're ruining our community one night of the year. You ruin our community 364 days a year. And he takes Christmas off. <laughs> it's not 365. Yeah, basically, uh, Tanache decides to stay in Staten Island, not to take the money, but because she wants to make sure her community is safe and they're you know, boarding a bunch of people up in one of the churches. She thinks Vince Staples is going to Brooklyn to stay with their uncle or something to get out of the island, but he secretly signs up to uh, stay and purge because while he was selling crack, uh, Skeletor slashed his neck with a razor and he wants revenge. Yeah. Made, him, made him look like a bitch. The whole scene where they're at the corner, he's at the corner, you know, selling, reminded me a lot of season one of The Wire. They essentially did a dumbed-down version yeah. of the uh, the corner sequences um, but well, I think I think uh, what's important for us to establish about this movie is it's not directed by James DeMonico, but it is written by him, which is bizarre because I thought it was not, and it doesn't feel like a movie written by him. And then at the end credits, we saw his name come up as the writer. I'm like, this is baffling. I mean, it has some racist stuff in it, but I think... Because it's an all-black cast, it doesn't become as transparent. Well, the thing is, is they're, the characters are dropping the N-word all over this, whereas we don't hear that in any of the other movies. They use alternatives for the N-word. And this one, they just decided, ah, fuck it, whatever. I mean, it makes sense for the characters, you know? It's, it's not like... Uh, like white people dropping the n word with the hard e r or anything, but I, you know, I was very surprised that James DeMonico wrote this because this film is actually coherent, unlike the other Perch movies, which was the most surprising thing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of the characters had pretty solid motivation. Like they were developed. I cared about the characters. I, I was I was really surprised. Like this this movie 
kind of fixes a lot of the problems that I've had with the previous entries in the franchise. There's no uh, filler, unnecessary subplots like the boyfriend in the first one. Well, I mean, I feel like there there is a couple small ones like the... Latina woman, Hispanic woman, and her daughter. I mean, that's a subplot that's not really necessary. It's not really a subplot. They're just kind of ancillary characters. I mean, yeah, they they don't really provide anything, but they're not central to the plot, so it doesn't bother me too much. Not not like the, the couple in Anarchy who is there the whole time and is just kind of annoying. Like, I, I thought the 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 killer hookers was a little unnecessary. It didn't bother me as much uh, as the other. I don't think so because they are hired by one of the members of Fifty Cent's gang to assassinate Fiddy the night of the purge, so he can take over. Because we have a scene of uh you know him talking to all of his guys, being like, "We're not gonna purge tonight." We're going to go out and we're going to do our thing like we always do so we can get back to business as normal. And this one guy's like, oh, man, fuck that. I want to purge. I want to release the beast. And uh, they beat him up and make him look like a little bitch. So he decides he wants to uh, assassinate 50. So he sends uh, prostitutes to go kill him. And so then that start, that starts this sort of like revenge subplot where Fiddy goes and kills the guy. Well, the only reason I say it's kind of unnecessary is it lasts all of like five, ten minutes. I mean, like, I, yeah, I he, guess so. He gets murdered or he, uh, gets attacked by the strippers. He ends up, you know, finding out where they were hired from. Finds the guy and kills him. And then that's that. I I think it is somewhat necessary because it gets him out on the streets. Because at that point, he is obviously holed up in his uh, stronghold. Because he doesn't want to go out on purge night because he knows that there are people who try to kill him. So to go out and kill the guy who sends the hookers to assassinate him, he has to get out on the streets. And that's when he sees the mercenaries come in and start killing people. So then he... Uh, takes it upon himself and his gang to protect the community and uh, go to war with the mercenaries. Yes, I, I I think they could have done that, you know, by having the Tanache character call from the the apartment complex or the church. But you know, it didn't ultimately bother me all well, that much think- that it they included that subplot in because it it, it was a fun sequence because earlier she uh or he offers tanache for her and vince staples to uh to spend the purge with him so they'll be safe and she's mad because she finds out her brother's been selling crack for him and she's like no stay the fuck away from us so i think that would kind of negate her calling him for help because she you know she's very proud and she doesn't want to take help from somebody that she considers so reprehensible well maybe but once he does the whole church is killed i i feel like 
I mean, maybe, but she doesn't. She doesn't end up calling him. He just comes to save them because their apartment complex is being purged. Yeah. So the idea is, you know, like, and I actually like this kind of subtext where, like, they had the pretenses of, especially the political party that these poor, you know, majority African-American people were, like, savages that would just automatically kill if they had a chance. Right. And when they start the purge, you know, no one's really killing besides Skeletor. Skeletor. He goes out specifically to kill, but he's, like, the only one, pretty much. Other than that, there's some looting, and there's a bunch of, like, purge parties, like, people having block parties in the street and just getting fucked up and having a good time, which actually addresses what we had talked about in the last episode with just assuming that everybody is so inherently violent that everybody would just go out and murder and we see that that's not the case in this one they actually address that which is one of the things that i liked and so the the new founding fathers to supplement that send in hired mercenaries to start purging on a larger scale and basically whip up the violence and get everybody else purging. Yeah, it was funny because, like, at points they were militia, at other points they were, like, clan members, at other points they were, uh... Russians, I guess? Yeah, well, they mentioned that the mercenaries were not just Americans, but it seems like there were a bunch of different cadres that were hired by the government to do this. Because, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of just, like, straight-up Klansmen going around in the hoods and robes and stuff. White nationalists. White nationalists. and stuff. I feel like in terms of its social commentary, this this one is maybe the most on the nose, but considering our current sociopolitical climate, it feels relevant. Maybe a little heavy-handed, but but relevant. With, it bothered with the Nazis me the least the out of any of the movies because I think they were the most coherent with what they were trying to say. What they were trying to say with it was very simple. Sometimes I, I certain things I think were a little too on the nose. Like uh, there, there's that one shot where there's like a montage of people purging, and there's the one shot at like the baseball field where like a <laughs> bunch of white cops are like. Uh, beating a black guy to death who's... As he's, like, crawling to the base for some reason. Yeah, and he's he's dressed, uh, like, uh... Oh, man. Uh, oh, fuck. Who's the guy who got, who got like, choked out? Eric Garner, was that his yeah. name? Who got choked out for selling cigarettes and died? He, the, the dude was dressed, like, just like that. Um, so I, I think a little, a little of it you know, some of it was really, really on the nose. Uh, but it, yeah, it bothered me the least out of all of this. And I think the, the fun production design and art was from the last movies was still all there, but it felt more motivated than it did in any of the other ones. And they actually somewhat, somewhat, uh, are, are you thinking about the, yes, the, the, I the want, colored contacts? I wanted to talk about how, after they did the psychological evaluations, if people wanted to take part in the purge, 
they gave people these really futuristic looking silly colored contacts that apparently have cameras in them yeah and uh a blue flower which was like a throwback to the first movie yeah in the in the original purge we see the people who support the purge putting these blue flowers on their mailbox and in this one they're given these little stems of the same fake blue flowers that are supposed to symbolize rebirth or whatever i don't remember what kind of flowers they actually are um but yeah the the colored contacts, they were silly for sure, but honestly didn't bother me too much just because a lot of the – once we see people out at like the purge parties and stuff, like they're they're mostly just like having a rave. They're all wearing like glow sticks and glow-in-the-dark body paint and stuff, and the contacts – sort of tie into that like ravey sure it adds design. to the block party it adds but to the like, block party come on it's so silly seeing the main character like oh yeah in those colored contacts no his you his can't take him seriously at all when he's wearing those no 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 no, no. um uh especially because all they're all different colors yeah which is weird like they just made a variety pack of colors yeah i mean it's it's mostly an excuse for them to have people with creepy glowing eyes yeah well and you know they they do come full circle with those you know the people uh active in the purge are wearing them to symbolize a they're involved they can be dangerous but yeah. then later on when they release the militia out none of them are wearing the colored contacts right so that's like the turning point for marissa tomei's character to realize that oh these people are not people we talk to. These are different people. Right. I I did think uh, uh, one of the things that I thought was handled kind of poorly was how Marissa Tomei was dealt with. Like, she confronts the, uh, the new founding fathers guy being like, hey, you're sending in militia to supplement people killing in the purge because you're not getting the numbers you want. That defeats the purpose of the experiment or whatever. And he's just like... Is like you'll be uh, you'll be remembered as a hero. You saved our country, and then it cuts away. And then several minutes later, we just see security camera footage of her being pushed out of a van in Staten Island and then shot. Yeah, like which we was didn't really see weird. we didn't see her getting abducted on screen. It's just all of a sudden somebody hands him like an iPad and he looks at the footage and she gets shot. He's like make sure this footage is deleted. <laughs> well, and the weird thing is, you know, you see Marissa Tomei's character being interviewed before The Purge starts by, like, Van Jones. Yeah! It's a weird cameo. You'd think if she had all this press coverage, people would be a little suspicious if she was mysteriously killed during the middle of The Purge. Right, because she wasn't on Staten Island, and yeah, the the New Founding Fathers guy told them to erase the footage, but people would not question why she just disappeared from the face of the earth after her 
successful experiment. Like, nobody would find that suspicious at all. Yeah. I, I thought that was handled a little, a little clumsy. Um, but there's some there's some very fun uh set pieces in in this movie. Yeah. I really I like the block party a lot and uh Skeletor shows up to the block party and just starts stabbing people. Well, he starts like dancing he around. He starts dancing, first, which yeah. I thought was really funny. One thing that I thought was dumb about Skeletor uh, is when he's getting ready for the purge, we see him taping uh, syringes to his fist like Wolverine claws, and he never uses those. I words. know it's w- never such never wasted once. potential. <laughs> I will, <laughs> like first of all, what what is. Yeah, he's not going to waste his PCP on (laughs) some rando. Yeah, he just ends up stabbing everybody with his knife, and those Wolverine claw syringes are never utilized once. Um, I also... I think this might be the goriest of all the purges. Did you did you think so? Uh, There's like a lot of the other movies just are, you know, people getting shot, but there's a lot of people getting like slashed and cut up and there's lots of blood splatters in this movie. Like the others are not necessarily tame in terms of gore, but this one seemed the most outright gory. I feel like this had the most creativity. Absolutely. In that stuff, um, which is a big plus. The bomb grannies. Oh, my God. So they they do the psychological evaluations at the beginning of the movie on these, like, two grannies, and they're like, we're sick of all these people always making fun of us. And they're like, do you have violent tendencies? And they're like, what do you think? And I... (laughs) I just laugh so hard in the theater at that because they're old grannies. Of course, they're not going to have violent thoughts. But they they come back later uh, with, like, shopping carts full of dolls. And stuffed animals. And when Vince Staples is walking around looking for Skeletor... He uh, comes across this alley that's just, like, littered with toys and dolls, and he just picks one up, and he's looking at it, and he turns it over, and there's, like, a cell phone tape to it, and he looks up and sees the grannies sitting on a balcony, and they press a button, and then all of these toys just start exploding, and he's just running down the alley, dodging all of these, like, landmine stuffed animals. I thought that was really, really fun. Yeah, I thought that was really properly silly. Um, Another thing that I thought was uh, properly silly, but also was very on the nose in what it was referencing, is when Tanache goes to save uh, Vince Staples because he's trapped in the warehouse and he's being hunted by people. She gets attacked by this dude who's, like, hiding in the sewer, and he has, like, a, a baby doll taped to his mouth. It's like a like a mask and it's crying like a like a baby and he tries to rape her and he literally grabs her by the pussy and when she kicks him in the face and runs away she's like pussy grabbing motherfucker 
it seemed like that was clearly ADR'd into. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. She, you never saw her mouth move during that. She was running with her back to the camera. Yeah. So, I um, wonder what pussy grabbing motherfucker could be a reference hmm. to. Hmm. There were a lot of fun sequences in this. It was weird uh, near the turn from the second to the third act. And we'll get into the third act because it's legitimately awesome, worth talking about. Yeah. Um, but 50 Cent has this whole crew out. They realize that there's private militia, you know, starting to kill the neighborhood. And he's like, we have to protect our neighborhood. So they go and pick up all these weapons uh, from their little bunker. Yeah. They have, like, tons of new guns and C4. Um, but it was justified that, you know, like, they were trying to supplement the purge by putting all of these new guns out there. Well, right, he's like... On the cheap. Yeah, they said uh, the government distributes these weapons to our community in the hopes that we will kill each other, but instead we're going to use them on them. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit of fun commentary, too. Yeah, same. Um, because that is a valid thing, you know. Absolutely. The government putting guns into communities like this. Uh, also, you know, introducing, like, the crack ep- epidemic, you know. That was all them. Well, too. which is the the one kind of hypocritical thing about Fifty Cent is that he is super rich because he sells crack to the community. Yeah, so it's like it's like he's killing people with drug addiction, but he's gonna protect them from the government. <laughs> so yeah, that but, was that was a little hair. But they but. they they go out to you know, protect their city, and they stop when they see a group of, you know, militiamen outside of the apartment building where all the other characters are holed up at. And suddenly there's, like, drones in the sky that, like, lock on on all the characters and just start shooting all the non-50 cent characters Yeah, he manages to roll underneath one of the SUVs and his whole crew gets shot by gun drones. I thought that was kind of dumb because we never really see the drones do anything else in the movie. No, up till this point, they've just been flying around monitoring uh, It felt like drone ex machina right there. Well, I I feel like that's kind of trying to be commentary as well because you know there there have been so many advancements in drone technology recently and we are starting to see the military utilizing drones that have guns on them and See, shit I would be like fine that. with that. The f- it's just the fact that like the only time they were used violently right was this one scene and then they were never seen again well, or yeah, beforehand I, was I, I really totally, dumb. I totally thought like when they roll up to the apartment building it's like okay we're gonna have uh, sort of a battle between these gangsters and the militia but then everybody other than 50 Cent ends up getting killed so he becomes an army of one which I mean opens the way for him to do some really badass stuff Stuff, which is very fun. Yeah. But I, um, I did think it was funny, especially when uh, before he goes in, one of his boys is like, 
still alive but dying because he's been shot a bunch of times and on his way into the building he stops to give his dying friend dap one more time <laughs> stops to fist yeah that bump. was pretty good <laughs> I, uh, I laughed at that part yeah well and the thing is you know they could have used the drones better because they mentioned that they put tracking devices in everyone participating to ensure that you know they're not leaving the island but so it's really like, hey, so they can see where everybody is. Yeah, so but they can I, find the... I was like, hey, you know, they're doing that, so maybe they'll utilize that in, like, the drones more um, later on. Because they introduced the drones early. Um, yeah, well, that's how, aside from the the recording contact lenses, how the people monitoring the experiment are keeping an eye on everything. There's drones flying all over Staten Island, you know, getting aerial views. But for the drones to just conveniently have guns all of a sudden did feel kind of silly. It's like, oh, we just need to kill all these characters so 50 Cent can be a badass by himself. Yeah. Oh, you know what one set of characters we should talk about before we get into the third act? Because... Um, is the Three Stooges? Oh yeah, Larry Moe and, and Jerry Curl. Curl. <laughs> uh, that's that's not us making jokes. That's what they actually call themselves. Yeah, um, that was kind of a weird set of ancillary characters. Yeah, they they didn't do much. I mean, we see them having a shootout with uh, KKK at one point, and Fifty Cent and his gang comes to save them. Um, so that was an action scene we have, but other than that, they don't really do a whole lot. They're just kind of like, here's some members of the community. Yeah. That felt tacked on, but like, it wasn't too egregious. No, it didn't really bother me at all. Um, I, what I really like about this movie is I think it does a good job, a way better job than any of the other movies, balancing, like, your good slasher horror elements with, uh, like, fun action sequences. Swacky action sequence. Yeah, because the whole, like, the whole first part of The Purge before, like, the militia comes in, it's got very much, like, a, a, a slasher vibe with uh, Vince Staples trying to hunt down Skeletor while Skeletor is also trying to hunt him down and Vince Staples loses his gun and realizes that he's in way over his head so then he's just trying to run away and protect himself but he's having to dodge all of these crazy people in masks. Um, I also liked how they address the masks in this one with uh, Marissa Tomei in the control room being like, I, well, like, oh, we're seeing a lot of people wearing masks. Is it because they want to hide their identities? Or is it so they can add, like, a sense of theatricality to this? Like, it's, uh, or, or, like, a sense of jubilee, sort of like a weird fucked up Mardi Gras where yeah. everybody wears masks? Well, ultimately, it was just because it was all militia members wearing masks. Basically. Well, no, 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 like, even at the at the purge party, we see people wearing masks and, like, the, the crackheads and stuff in the, in the warehouse that Vince Staples is hiding from are all wearing masks, and the dude in the sewer who grabs Tanache by the pussy is wearing a mask, so we're, we see a lot of masks. We but... see a few, but not as many as 
come up when the militia members are true brought out and that's the reason you know they they mention that afterwards and she watches security footage with all these different people with no contacts and masks on and it just cuts from one mask without contacts to the next to try to emphasize that um i did find it kind of weird the the sequence where uh vince staples was had his gun set to kill uh, Skeletor, and Skeletor was like, kill me, kill me, and he just, like, didn't do it, and then uh, suddenly he drops the gun and runs. Yeah. Um, I thought that was <laughs> not the best executed. No, I mean, it's dumb. It's like, why don't you just shoot this dude? But, oh, uh, you know, he's a kid. He's never killed anybody before. He doesn't have the guts to do it. That's when he realizes he's in over his head. And I mean, it's it's kind of sloppily handled, but it has it has justification as character development. for Sure. Him, I yeah, I, I just think it was badly executed. Yeah, I agree. Um, but overall, it didn't bother me too much because it's like this kid, you know, he's trying to be hard. He's trying to be a gangster, but he's just not cut out for it. Um, which is more development than you get for a lot of characters in the rest of the movies. Uh, um, but yeah, should we talk about the the third? Yeah, act? so the third act basically turns into the raid. Um, yes, it does in the best way. In the yeah. best way, um, Tanache and Vince Staples and uh, the other few that they're with are. Uh, Hold up in her apartment on, on the, the 14th, 14th floor. floor. Um, so there's like a ticking clock. The The militia are going from floor to floor, killing as many people as they can find. And uh, 50 Cent has to, uh, you know, get to Tanache before the militia does. And so we get this really awesome... Uh, raid style action set piece of him going floor to floor killing all of these militia and there's a fucking amazing fight scene in a stairwell that's done with the appearance of being one take uh i definitely think there were a couple of cuts it's still a one take style even if yeah, they yeah, 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 artificially sure. do it it's it's one of those things where like if you know how to look for cuts in us in a scene like that you'll probably be able to find them but it, it gives the impression of being one long take and it's really really well choreographed and really well shot you and I were talking about it when we were leaving the movie last night that it's maybe the the best part of the entire franchise. It's the best shot part of the entire franchise for sure. It's the best choreographed and executed fight sequence in any of these movies. Yeah. And one one thing that I I really liked about it too is a lot of these uh militiamen are wearing kind of like uh like minstrel masks like the like blackface with the the over exaggerated uh red lips and stuff like those super racist old minstrel show kind of masks and that fight scene in the stairwell ends with 50 cent like strangling one of those dudes to death and it's like he's 
killing that stereotype that that negative stereotype uh, about black people and i thought that was actually one of the better executed like social commentary things and i really liked that a lot yeah i I wanted to mention that i kind of wish that all of the militia were american i thought it was kind of weird that they had you know Russians or foreign agents working on it as well. I feel like having it solely be American racist would be a little more focused of a point. I mean, I suppose so, but they were all white. And racism doesn't exist solely in this country. That's true, but like these movies are I mean, very it's, much it's, American it's... commentary. And, you know, having having that scene, and I think it is a really strong scene of him choking that dude out, is kind of... I, I almost felt it was undercut a little when he found out the dude was, like, Russian or whatever. Does he... Is it that dude specifically? Because I think it's when... It's before he gets to the apartment complex when he kills the first group of militia guys and one of his uh one of his crew sees that they all have the same tattoos he's like oh i saw these guys when i, I think was it's mentioned overseas. again in the apartment complex because i know at one point later on they pick up one of the headsets and they hear people talking in russian on and he's like oh these fucking russians but those i are... think that's what it was i think after that he wasn't killed in... both of the people in the Stairwell, he picked up the the headset. Uh-uh, that, no, that was beforehand, because that's when they were trying to figure out where the militia were going before they got to the apartment complex when they heard the Russian. I think at that point, after he kills that guy, he just gets up and moves on. But the the guys who attack the apartment complex are in just, like, straight-up military gear with masks. Well, and their their leader is, like, a latex Nazi gimp. Yeah, which I thought was <laughs> cool, but weird at the same time. Very, very silly, honestly. I It felt like it was out of, like, a Nine Inch Nails music video or He's something. He's wearing, like a, like, a latex or vinyl trench coat with a, with a matching tie, and he's got, like, a gimp mask on. They they needed somebody to be the leader of the of the group. Uh, Fifty Cent makes it into Tanache's apartment, and they're being they're cornered in there by the the latex Nazi and his last yeah. Few after they take out a couple of them um, on their own, yeah, the whole group uh, comes back, and the power has been cut by Fifty Cent's character. Um, so you have this really cool you know, kind of effect where, like, the lights are only coming on sporadically. It's like the the emergency exit lights are, like, flashing, so you get this cool, like, strobing effect where you'll get quick shots if you see what's going on, and then it'll fade to black and so on and so forth. I thought that was pretty effective as well. Um, But then uh, one of the soldiers... uh, pulls out an RPG yeah. and he's going to shoot it down the hall into the bedroom where 50 Cent and Tanache are holed up 
and right before he pulls the trigger, Skeletor shows up out of nowhere and kills a couple of the soldiers and creates just enough of a distraction for 50 Cent to shoot uh, a C4 bomb that he threw down the hall and blow up the last of the troops. Which I thought was hilarious. It and was awesome. Amazing. It was great. And right and as the explosion's coming down the hallway in slow-mo, he drags Tanache to the floor and pulls a mattress on top of them so they're protected from the explosion. Yeah. I I thought all of that was really great. Um the next door neighbor character who's in there with them was really funny as well cuz she's just like they're like trying to figure uh they're trying to find weapons to protect themselves before that and she just reaches into her purse and pulls out maybe the largest pistol I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> just a straight up hand cannon honestly. And and they're like have you ever used that thing before? And Tanashi's like I have give it to me. And they're like, where the fuck would you have used a gun like that? And she's just like, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> uh, and the, the neighbor lady is also, uh, when she comes in, she's like, uh, she's like, I was running, trying to get home, and I got bubble gut real bad, and I shit myself a little bit on the on the way here. My bowels were participating in the purge too. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Honestly, the whole third act with the the tower sequence is probably the best set piece of any of the films. Yeah, I agree. But honestly, I was surprised how much fun I had watching the entirety of the movie. Yeah, I kind of wish the, the tower sequence was longer because it was by far my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. But... I I think the, the rest of the is movie pretty is good. pretty solid, and it's pretty solidly paced. I think um, it does a good job, like keeping up with the action and realizing that you can't take yourself too seriously with this movie. You got to keep up the pace with action sequences and, and set pieces. And what I like is because it's the it's supposed to be documenting the very first purge, it addresses a lot of the things that are inherently ridiculous about the premise, which is something that I was not expecting. I was I was or uh, I should say I always thought like, oh, we don't need a prequel to the purge. We don't need to see how it started because I thought it would, you know, it would be as sloppily handled as the other movies. But they they actually kind of like the point of this movie is like this whole thing is kind of ridiculous and it's very, very obviously a ploy by the government to just kill poor people and black people and uh, sort of that transparentness, I guess, of the evil government is fitting because we see a lot of stuff like that, you know, in society today of the government doing things that are very transparent in what they're doing. But what are you going to do to stop them? Yeah, it, it was very it was a very simplistic message, but and point they were trying to make. But the fact that they were so direct in the way they were making it made it feel the most coherent and well thought out. Of Absolutely. Anything in the series. So. Absolutely. I 
I think that this is the best directed out of all of them, the best paced, probably the best written. So that's surprising considering that it was still written by James DeMonico, uh, the best edited, the best choreographed. Uh, I really enjoyed the soundtrack as well because it was just a lot of these like super dark, grimy trap songs. A lot of hip hop. A lot of hip hop, which uh, you know is is fitting considering the setting. Uh, overall, I I was very very pleasantly surprised with with how this film turned out. Yeah, it still has some very stupid things in it, but stupid more in a fun way rather than frustrating. the The first ten fifteen minutes. Uh, I was very dubious because it was doing a lot of things that I didn't like. It was setting up things that I didn't like. But overall, I, I you know, got to give kudos to the way they executed the whole thing. I think you pretty much summed it up. I, you might as well just throw a rating at the end of that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly really torn. I think I'm going to give this a three and a half out of five but kind of leaning towards four out of five, honestly. I don't think I can quite justify it, but it's a very strong three and a half out of five because I I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. (laughs) And the great thing, too, I think about our particular viewing experience is that the rest of the people in the theater were really into it, too. There yeah, was, no one was really talking too no, much. No, nobody the was movie. talking. There was a lot of laughter. There were a couple of times when people started clapping. Um, I overall like the the whole vibe of the audience, and it wasn't a big audience. There were maybe twenty other people in the theater with us, uh, but everybody seemed to be having a good time, and I was too. So. Uh, I will, you know, eat my words about all the Purge movies being stupid because this <laughs> one, this one was actually pretty good. Yeah, well, I can mirror most of what you said. I think they have proven that it might be a trend where every other movie is good. <laughs> yeah, I think this one was better than Anarchy, though. I, I rated them the same, but I, I enjoyed this movie more than Anarchy. I think it was more competent and more fun even because with Anarchy, we get a fun 20 minutes towards the end, but that there's way more fun stuff in this one, I think. Yeah, I, I think this is a really solidly paced movie. Uh, I I think the directness of the, its message is a really big strong suit because it makes the simplicity of it more forgivable because it's coherent in what it's trying to say. Um, I think all of the characters are really solid, really solid acting. Um, yeah. Um, I think all of the subplots and ancillary characters do a pretty good job tying into the rest of the movie. Um, some of them aren't super necessary for the story, but that didn't even bother me too much because even the, the ancillary characters like that were used in some sort of action sequence, which made them at least fun. Yeah, I think this is a solid movie. I I think it's worth checking out. And I actually would probably agree that it's the best of the series. I'd probably also give it a three and a half. Um, Yeah, it's worth checking out. 
All right, so that's a unanimous three and a half out of five pods for the first purge. Um, before we wrap up, one more thing I think we should address just because we made such a big deal about it in the last episode is this movie does further convolute the timeline of the purge universe. They don't give us a date for when this is taking place, but we have to assume that it's at least 2018 or 2019. Well, uh, 2017, like, because well, the first uh, sequence in the first one showed, like, uh, camera footage from, like, 2017. Well, right, but that's a continuity error, because... <laughs> well, I mean, yes, the whole timeline is just, one big continuity but error. But looking past the fact that with, like, the glowing colored contacts that record video and broadcast it live to an uh, outside location, aside from the fact that we did not have that in 2017... Another thing that I did notice, and this is a minor thing, but in Vince Staples' bedroom, he has the poster of the new Halloween that's coming out later this year, in 2018. And that's because both films are produced by Blumhouse, so they threw that in there. But if we're assuming that he got that poster after the movie came out, it would be more likely that this took place in at least... 2019 in March. Yeah. So the the Purge franchise does not have a coherent timeline at no, all. No, but I mean, you shouldn't really expect it. Do you, I mean, uh, one thing I want to talk about besides that is the at during the credits they cut off the credits like right at the beginning of the scroll to advertise for a new. USA, of course, it's on USA. Purge miniseries that's happening. Ten episodes. the The trailer, I guess, it's more of a teaser. Tells us nothing. And it was very bad. And it was bad. And the show is probably going to be bad. But I will withhold my judgment until I actually see it because this movie took me by surprise. Maybe the miniseries will do the same mm. thing. I don't even fact, know if I have the fortitude to watch it. I will I will watch an episode or two and see if it grabs me enough to, to finish it. The fact that it's on USA does not speak super highly, but sometimes USA shows are good, like Mr. Robot... Uh, so I don't know. We, we yeah, like Mr. Robot or the classic, you know, Burn Notice. <laughs> yeah, everyone's favorite show, Burn Notice, <laughs> the greatest show that nobody has ever or, seen. You know, the 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 a tourist uh, classic uh, Suits. <laughs> suits. Don't forget about Shooter, starring Ryan Phillippe. Oh yeah. And we definitely can't forget about Unsolved, the murders of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. <laughs> they were just kids. And they were friends. Do you know why The Purge takes place on March 21st? Uh, three, two, one, get ready to rumble. That's 
That's it exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. Really? I'm not even Jesus kidding. Jesus Christ. That's exactly why. Um, That's really fucking dumb. <laughs> yep. Three, two, one. Let's rumble. Uh, well, not the let's rumble part, but the three, two, one is absolutely a thing. Well, that'll bring us to the end of our review of The First Purge. A movie that I think I can overall recommend, surprisingly. Um, I expected to spend this time talking about how fucking awful this movie was, and uh, I think I would watch this one again, definitely over any of the other ones. Yeah, and like us, uh, if you go to see this movie, don't bother watching the first three. Just If you haven't seen them, it... You won't yeah, miss out no, on you anything. Will, you will lose nothing. This one sets up all of the same stuff that the others do, but it does it all better. If you've not seen any of the other Purge movies, uh, just see this one and you'll be fine, I think. Uh, it it's, it's a solid movie. I, I enjoyed it. Um, if you like the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, at PodPeoplePod. Let us know what you think of the first Purge and the Purge franchise. Um, this one's my favorite. I think it's our favorite. Uh, what's your favorite? If you really like the f- original Purge or Election Year, defend them. You're going to be wrong, but... Let us know about it. Uh, If you don't have social media, you can uh, contact us with any questions or recommendations uh, at podpeoplepod at gmail.com. Check out our Letterboxd page for a list of all of the movies we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. And I'm at Mr. Sheets. And, um, yeah, I think that will about do it. Um, next week is Shark Week. Uh, so in honor of Shark Week, we're going to be doing a shark-centric episode, um, either doing a full-length episode with uh, several shark movies, or we might just do a solo episode talking about everybody's favorite shark movie, Jaws. Get hyped for that. Stay out of the water, especially if you have an open wound. And until next time, resist the urge to purge.